Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. Um, we're going to do part two. I had a couple more. <laughs> yeah, had a couple things that I didn't get to last week. Um, so I'm thankful to be able to um, share. And um, it's definitely an, an honor and a privilege. And um, I don't take this lightly at all. And um, I'm just so thankful to be a part of this ministry and be a part of what God is doing in this season and this time and excited to be able to, to do my part. And um, so we're talking about what are you expecting? I'm going to do a little bit of review. I'm going to try not to fly too much, you know, tonight, um, but I do want to get to those last two points, but um, just want to um, review a couple things. Um, we will be using the Passion Translation, and um, we've been walking through the Bible in our uh, young adult um, Bible study, in our 2-9 Bible study on uh, Mondays. We actually, I'm going to put a plug in, we actually have Bible study tomorrow night at 8, and um, we're going to be going through First and Second Peter, and uh, we've just been walking through the Bible, and God's just been showing us how, you know, His Word is affecting our lives today, and how we can, you know, use it to Today and it's been really powerful. And so um, I've just been studying in the Passion Translation, and so that's why um, I'm sharing through that version tonight. But they'll have it on the screen if you don't have, um, you know, don't have it on your device or whatever. So um, just wanted to remind you of that. So if you'll turn to, or actually, we're just going to review, so I'll probably just go through these. So um, Matthew, our, our theme verse is Matthew 9, 29, and it says, you will have what your faith expects. And Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 says, As Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him, shouting over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? They replied, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, You will have what your faith expects. And instantly their eyes were opened, they could see. Then Jesus warned them sternly, make sure that you tell no one what happened. So then um, we talked about, um, well, I gave you a list of six things um, to help you get what your faith expects. Um, first of all, like Jesus asked in that scripture, do you believe? So if you believe, you will get what your faith um, expects. And those six things were, number one, believe. Number two, trust. Number three, don't doubt. Number four, act, which we'll talk about that tonight. Number five, don't quit. And number six is rest. And so we will talk about um, those things as well. So number one, believe. Don't let your faith be undermined by the facts. The facts of what's going on in your body, the facts of what's going on in your finances, the facts of what's going on in your family, those things are real and are right before you. But don't let your faith be undermined by the facts. Romans 4.19 says, 
in spite of, and this is talking about Abraham, in spite of being nearly 100 years old when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. The facts will tell you that things are impossible, but your faith should be so strong that it cannot be undermined by the facts. As you read the word of God, you will be confronted with truths and promises that seem impossible or unrealistic, but we must put our faith and trust in God and he will bring them to pass. God has promises in his word. They seem unrealistic. They seem impossible. But the cool thing about it is that God is faithful. And if we believe him, if we trust him, he will bring those things to pass. So don't get caught up in what you see. Don't get caught up by what's going on around you. But just let your faith in God get you through. So number two, trust. Be fully convinced in the character or the nature of God. And that is God is faithful. Be fully convinced in the character or the nature of God. God is faithful. I'm going to use Abraham again. Romans 4, verses 20 through 21 says, He never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. You have to possess a faith that is not contingent upon your circumstances, but based on what you know to be true of your good and faithful God. If you base your faith on the circumstances, you're already losing. You have to base your faith on the fact that God is faithful. And the way that you can have an understanding that God is faithful, if you walk through the Bible, you read story after story after story of the faithfulness of God. You can actually look back probably in some things in your life to see that God is faithful. How soon we forget when a challenge comes, we forgot that God has already done the impossible in our lives. Are you saved? For some of you, that seemed like an impossible situation right there. If some of your old peeps were hanging around, they'd be like, what? You were riding that train to hell. What do you mean you're saved? Right there, that should be a, a proof that God is faithful and that he's true. Amen? So we forget where we came from and we forget what God has already done, but we need to remind ourselves. So our faith, we should have a faith that is um, not contingent upon your circumstances, but based on what you know to be true of your good and faithful God. So we need to hide ourselves in the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 6.18 says, So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. It's impossible for him to lie. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We can hide ourselves in his 
faithfulness. Wrap your heart around hope. Hebrews 10.23 says, So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Stay in hope, stay in faith, and don't be defeated by what you see. Don't be defeated by what you think is not happening. Trust in God. He is working on your behalf. And you can rejoice that if he gave it to you, if he told you it's a promise, if he told you to trust him, you can rejoice and consider it a done deal. Amen? Amen. So God is working while you're waiting. You have to wait in faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Number three, don't doubt. Fasten your faith on to the promise. Whatever you are believing for, Make sure you're standing on a promise of God. I love God. When you spend time in his presence, Minister Darnell's been talking about dwelling in the presence of God and getting there and getting what you need from him. He'll give you the plan for your life. He'll give you his will for your life. So when you're asking for stuff and when you're believing for stuff, it's not something way off from what he has for you so that you, then you can have confidence that he's going to bring it to pass in your life. Amen? So Hebrews 11.33 says, Through faith, faith's power, they conquered kingdoms and established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises, and pulled them into reality. Don't let doubt win. Matthew 14, 31, this is the story of when um, Peter got out of the boat and he was walking on water. He had already stepped out. He was already doing the impossible. And then the winds came. Somebody started talking to, you know, when stuff comes up. Then all of a sudden we forget, like, we're, we're already stepping out in faith. And so Jesus said to him, you know, because Peter started sinking once the winds came, you know, his mind got focused on what was going on. So Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? I'm right here. I'm right, he's right here. Don't let doubt win. Doubt comes when you're, you start fixing your gaze on something other than the Word of God. That's why it's important. That's why it's a daily thing. You grow in your relationship with God. You grow in the things of God. It's got to be a daily thing. You can't go, you know, um, maybe two times a month or, you know, God, let me put you in my schedule. Let's see. I've got an opening at this time. Are you available? Because I've got a list this long, and I'm going to bring it to you in this amount of time. But I don't have time to come back tomorrow. It's a daily thing. Do you know we operate in pride when we don't spend time praying and getting what God has for us for the day? We're basically telling him, I got this. 
I've got this all worked out. I've got this figured out. And I don't need anything from you today. That's in essence what we're saying when we're not communicating with him. Jesus, on a daily basis, we see from his word, he went and he spent time with his father. Now, Jesus came down from heaven. Jesus and the father are one. But every single day while he was here on the earth, he communed with his father. He didn't just get up and go, I already know what, my, what your purpose is for my life. I already know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to just go out here. I'm going to spit on the mud today. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, all right, God, let's go. No, he went to the father every single day. He communed with him every single day. Not my will, but your will be done. I know I have to say that every day. <laughs> Matthew 21, 22. Everything you pray for with the fullness of faith, you will receive. Fill the space where your heart wants to doubt with prayer and trust. Fill that space in your heart with the word of God. This number four is new. Act. Everybody say act. Action causes faith to find its full expression. Action causes faith to find its full expression. James 2, verse 22. Now, this is talking about Abraham offering um, Isaac up, and um, it really was a test of his faith. And in James chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Can't you see how his action cooperated with his faith? And by his action, faith found its full expression. So the story goes, you know, we just read earlier about Abraham having faith and believing God for an impossible situation. You know, he couldn't have a son. God told him you'd be the father of many nations. So God brought that promise to pass. He's got Isaac. He's got his son. You know, he's walking around with this promise fulfilled. People aren't making fun of him anymore. You know, he's like, oh, you changed your name. And look at that. Now you've got a kid, you know. And so um, he's just you know, living life and doing his thing. And so his faith gets tested. And so um, God comes to him and says, you know, sacrifice that kid, basically. And so Abraham's like, come on, boy, let's go do our sacrifice. And so the kid gets up there. And I'm just thinking, like, was there any fight from this kid? Or like, you know, what has Abraham taught his son that, you know, his son would just lay down and get tied up and, you know, and so when he goes to, to do it, you know, <laughs> he gets stopped and, and, and God says, you know, or the, the angel comes and he says to him, this is proof that you fear and you reverence God and that you're willing to give him whatever he asks. Abraham was so in faith, and he so knew the character of God that he was like, God, you promised me this son. You said that a nation would come out of him. He had, you know, so much faith that he's like, if you're asking me to sacrifice him, you're going to bring it back to life. You got it all worked out. You're going to figure it out. We're just going to do this thing. And so Abraham acted on, the, on what God told him to do, and God came through. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke um, chapter 8, I want to kind of unpack the story of um, Jairus. Is that how you say his name? Jairus, Jairus, Jairus. Whitney's the grammar queen. 
<laughs> um, but I was reading through this story, and, you know, there were a few things that, you know, God just started speaking to me, and just, he started showing me some things in this story, and so I just want to share it, and we're talking about acting. We're talking about stepping out in faith, um, and we're in verse 40, so in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, when Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed for they had been waiting for him to arrive. So they knew about Jesus and they were excited. We've heard about him. He's going around healing people. This is the son of God. Jesus is back in town. So everybody's excited. Just then, a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. So his 12-year-old daughter's dying. He heard Jesus is in town. His faith, he's like, I know what to do. She's dying. Jesus is here. I need to go get him. So he goes. He comes to Jesus. Jesus says, all right, let's go. I'm going to go heal your daughter. So Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, but a large crowd surrounded him. In that crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me, who is it? While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, Everyone is touching you, trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. Have you ever been in a crowd of people? Disneyland, any amusement park, you know, or, you know, been in a concert type venue where you're standing up and it's a crowd of people and it's like you're watch, walking and you end up bumping shoulders, or you're touching people. I think when I was reading this um, verse, I immediately thought of the video that's been on um, online. I think it, you can find it on YouTube or whatever. And it's a video of these people in an Asian country and they're getting on this train and there's so many people in the train and you see them, they're like shoving people in the train and they're pushing and the attendants are on the outside pushing people in to try to get them in and so everybody you know they're all on the train they're all compacted you know so I just imagine Jesus walking and you know people are all around him they're all calling they're trying to touch him and you know they all want something and, and then this woman extends uses her faith and she's like I got to get through I got to get to Jesus and she acts on her belief she touches him and she receives but while this is going on, where's Jairus? I imagine he's right there with Jesus. He came to Jesus. Jesus said, come on, let's go to your daughter's house. He's got to be right up here with him. And so as he's walking, you know, the crowds are going through. He's sticking with Jesus the whole time. This woman gets healed. So Jesus has to stop. He acknowledges that this woman gets healed. But you don't see Jairus walking off going, oh, now I asked Jesus to come to my house and heal my daughter. My daughter's dying. And this woman going to come up. How's she going to take my blessing? How's she going to take what I was believing God for? Sometimes that's how we act. We're believing God for something in our lives, and then we see it manifest and happen for somebody else, and it discourages us instead of encouraging us. 
What about me, God? I asked you for the same thing. How come you healed so-and-so and you didn't heal me? So while he was on his way to heal his daughter, somebody else received, but Jairus stayed right next to him. And so verse 46 says, Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed, and they received their healing. When the woman realized she couldn't hide it any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with my peace. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came to Jairus, someone from his house came and told him, there is no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She has gone. And I like this. When Jesus heard this, he said, Jairus, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she will live again. He was close enough to Jesus that when fear came, he heard the voice of Jesus and he was able to continue on in faith. He didn't get discouraged. Jesus knew that fear was going to come, so he addressed it immediately. If you don't go to Jesus, when that fear comes, that fear will hang on. But because he was there and he kept walking with him and he stayed with him, when he got the bad news, he didn't get discouraged. He's like, come on, Jesus, we're going to keep going. Jesus is like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that report. Don't worry about what you hear. Don't worry about what they're saying. I've got this. I heard you when you prayed. I see your faith, and I will do what you've asked me to do. Stick with him. Don't get discouraged. You will have what your faith expects, and not He's not going to forget about you just because he's doing something for somebody else and you don't see it happening in your life right now. That doesn't mean that he's not going to work on your behalf. God had something bigger for Jairus. He just thought his daughter was going to be healed, but God had a resurrection for him. So sometimes as you're believing and you take that step of faith, that thing that you're believing for, maybe that thing dies. Maybe that door gets closed. You are believing for a specific job or you're believing for a specific thing and maybe that door is closed and you think, God, I'm believing. That door was closed. But God's got, it's not just a healing I have for you, but I have a resurrection. I'm going to bring back some things to life in your life that you thought were dead. I've got something bigger. And what I have is not only for you, but it's going to affect everyone around you. So hang in there. Don't let go of what God has for you. His promise is real, and he is true, and he is faithful to his word. Stick with him. So then we finish this story. I just love it. 
Jesus knew. He's like, I know, I know that fear is going to come, but don't, don't worry about that. Let it go. Hang with me. Hallelujah. Verse 52, when they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John, and Jacob, along with the child's parents, to go inside. Jesus told those um, left outside who were sobbing and wailing with grief, stop crying. She's not dead. She's just asleep and must be awakened. Stop crying. It's, it's not dead. God's going to awaken that thing. He's going to do that thing. Let those tears go. Get out of that place of woe is me. It didn't happen for me. It didn't happen this year. It didn't happen this month. It didn't happen this week. It didn't happen this time. So God must not like me. God must have a problem with me. I might as well just go back to doing this. I might as well just let go of that. Stop that. Shake yourself. Sometimes you got to get in the mirror and go, get it together. Stop it. I like that song that said, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Brother Ty did that. It was funny when he did it, but it's true. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Times you, I don't know the words, <laughs> have to speak victory during the test. No matter what you feel, speak the word and you will be healed. Speak over yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. You got to speak the word. Hallelujah. We got to act on the word. Act on what we know. Don't let the devil get you in a box. Don't let him put you in the corner. Don't put baby in the corner. <laughs> speak the word. Hallelujah. God is good. And the end of that story is she's raised. All the people that were wailing, all the people that were crying, all the people that had something negative to say saw what God did for this man, saw what God did for that girl, saw what God did for that family. And it was a bigger testimony than what Jairus even thought of. Hallelujah. We have to stand. We have to believe God. We have to trust him. Don't get in fear. Hallelujah. Just be patient. And at the right time, you will have what your faith expects and so much more. This makes me think about Pastor Vicki. Right now, I see the end. I see what our faith expects. I like how in that confession it says we are growing strong in faith, giving glory to God. People all over the world are standing and believing with her. I'm standing and believing with her. And I'm excited to see. And what a testimony. 
Every day, every progress, every change has been a testimony. Every time we post what God has done in her life, it's affecting people around the world. People come in and say, I'm believing God with you. I, they share their testimonies and they say, you know, I was believing for this and because I'm standing with you, you know, God did this for me. My faith has grown. Something bigger God wants to do through you and through your testimony. Number five, don't quit. When your faith is tested, it stirs up power. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, and this is just a recap because we went over this last week. It says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Jairus's daughter was raised from the dead. There was no sickness in her, nothing missing, nothing lacking. His faith was tested and he endured and that family experienced the greatest joy. Their child was brought back to life. Trials are an opportunity for you to experience the greatest joy. Your faith will be tested your faith will be tested. So just get ready. <laughs> Prepare. Get in the word. Get built up. So when the test comes, it doesn't take you out. We have the Holy Spirit who gives us wisdom. He shows us things to come. He helps us. As a Christian, we have access to knowledge about things to come. We know we will have trouble, and we know that the enemy has set traps in our path. We know that travel won't be easy, and there will be many obstacles. We have access to knowing these things ahead of time, so they won't catch us off guard when it comes. So if we run our race as one with the edge of prior knowledge, then when things are thrown at us, we will not remove our gaze from the finish line and the ultimate prize. We can keep moving forward and not let distractions stop us. Number six, rest. Faith activates the promise of confident rest. Faith activates the promise of confident rest. Hebrews 4.3 says, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Hebrews 4, verses 10 through 11. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we can cease from our own works. Just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them, so then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. Rest defined. I'm going a little quick because I'm running out of time. Rest. This rest in Christ is not a rest from work, but in work. 
not the rest of inactivity, but of the harmonious working of all of the faculties and affections of will, heart, and imagination, conscious, because each has found in God the ideal sphere for its satisfaction and development. It's not just laying around like I just got to, you know, lay in the bed because I just need to rest. I'm resting in faith. I'm not going to go to work today because I need to rest in faith. I'm not going to clean my house because I need to rest in faith. I'm not going to shower because I need to rest in faith. No, that's not what you're doing. You're not just chilling. You're resting in his promises. You're speaking the word. You're not worrying. You're not fretting. You're not in fear. You're, you're, you're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to yourself. You know when you sing? Like uh, my niece, she's 10 months old. That little girl, she's a, she's a little copycat. And um, I say she's advanced for her age. Whatever you do, she just does it. You'll go, ah, 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 and she's, ah, 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 you know, and um, I make a little beat with my mouth. I do my little old school beatboxing for her, and she'll, she'll just get her foot, and she does like this, and we call it, you know, she gets on the good foot, you know. She gets excited. She's dancing. She has no worries. She has no frets. She has no fear. She's a child. She's just like that music is going and I can dance around. And that's what it is resting in God. It's getting saturated in his word, getting saturated, you know, putting on some songs that sing the word to you, putting on scriptures. If you're believing God for healing, Pastor David has this CD that reads the word to you. You can put it on and put it on in the background and just have the word going over and over and again and fill the atmosphere in your room with the word of God while you're at work. Put the word on. Have it going 24-7. So when you walk in your house, there's an atmosphere of the word inside of your house. There are things that we can do in the natural to help Keep our faith where it needs to be so that you can rest and not worry so that when that thing comes, instead of freaking out, the word comes up. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have no lack. We can rest in him, we can rest in his promises. We have a promise to have rest when we have faith in God. Hebrews 4.1 says, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. That's Hebrews 4 verse 1. Saturate yourselves in the word. Stay in his presence. Pray. Check up on your faith every single day. Remind yourself, what are you believing God for? Confess the word over yourself. Speak the word. I have um, three bathrooms in my house, 
And um, in one of my bathrooms, I have to put it back up because I had a, a visitor. My cousin came and visited me, so I had to take it down so he could see himself in the mirror. But in my bathroom, I had, um, in my guest bathroom, I wrote out individual confessions to say over myself on little post-it notes. And I actually created a heart out of those different um, confessions. And they were just little post-it notes. And it says things like, you know, I'm a child of God. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am loved by God. I am healed. I am whole. I am prosperous. I have more than enough. And I have it on my mirror. And I also have it in in a journal. And I confess the word. And I confess God's promises over myself every single day. And it's what you have to do. It's just what you have to do. It's just what you have to do. People say, you know, I hear often, you know, being a Christian is is hard or doing this stuff is hard. Being a sinner is hard. (laughs) You're out there all by yourself doing stupid stuff. Sinning is... Receiving the love of God and spending time with him It's not hard. Getting to communicate with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that's not hard. That's a privilege. That's an honor. How grateful I am. Back in the Old Testament, they had to go through the priests. They had to go through men. And some of them didn't even have it right. They dropped dead in the temple because they didn't have it right. You know, we don't have to go to them and say, well, I did this and I did that, and I need you to talk to God, and I need you to tell him this, and I need you to tell him that. Oh, oh, and I forgot. Oh, man, I got to wait back in line to tell the priest that I forgot this one thing. I don't have to do that. Man, what? It's closed? How am I supposed to get my confession? You know, I think about people in the Catholic Church, you know, when the church was shut down, how are they supposed to give their confession? They just got pardoned from all their sins, you know. The church is closed, so, you know, you can't go get... No, we get to go to the Father. We get to be in His presence. We get, to, we get access to Him. We get access to him. It's not hard. Just open your mouth and speak the word of God. God is so good. He's so good. I want to end um, with this encouragement. Um, Minister Darnell, actually, some of what he said this morning, I was like, Lord, that was in my notes. That was in my notes. That was in my notes. I'm like, I guess we hear from the same Holy Spirit. <laughs> so it's also encouraging. And um, if you were at the 10 a.m. service, he was encouraging about um, being in church. And um, that's just been something that God has really stirred in my heart. And um, I know you're in the room, and it may have taken a lot for you to come tonight and to be in the room. And you may have had to overcome fear or, you know, deal with some things to be here. But, you know, I just, you know, he was encouraging today, you know, just how much he loves the body of Christ and how much, you know, he loves, you know, the church. And I'm like, that was, I was on the front row going, yes, I do too. Like, amen. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. 
And uh, I mentioned this scripture a little bit last week, but I actually looked it up in the (laughs) Passion Translation. Um, So I want to share it with you. But of course, I didn't write down the reference. I think it's Hebrews 10, 27. I know it's verse 27. I just didn't write the... um, (laughs) That's funny. Um, Verse 27, but I think it's in Hebrews chapter 10. (laughs) And it says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. And as I've thought about this season, I'm like, you know, we as Americans, we can whine and complain about a whole lot of things when our simple conveniences are interrupted for a season. And I think about people that have had to go to church underground. We whine and complain because we have to wear a mask and they can get arrested, flogged, killed, beaten for just having an assembly together. We're a body. And I know, you know, we were talking about having what your faith expects, but there is an anointing when we come together. And sometimes what God wants to do happens with this group of people. I know I've been healed in this place. I know God has done so many things for me in this place. God has used so many people in the body of Christ to help me through various situations. I grew up in the children's ministry here. I grew up in the youth ministry here. And I think about all the people who God used to help get me where I am today. It took several villages. And it's a body of believers coming together, looking out for each other, praying for each other, reaching out to each other. So even while you're here in this room, make sure you're reaching out to people. If somebody is at home struggling, they shouldn't feel like they're alone. But there should be a phone call, there should be a text, there should be some type of communication. And we should encourage them. Because if you've taken steps of faith and you've been here, then you can use this step of faith to encourage somebody else. I've been coming, and I'm good. (laughs) And I get excited to see, week after week, visitors coming. People stepping out. So I just want to encourage you. You may have formed a habit because the church was closed, And your habit may have been to grab your bowl of cereal and sit in front of your computer and watch service. It's time to break that habit and get back into the habit of assembling together in the presence of God. Come back home. God's got some things. He's going to do some things. And I believe that we're going to the next level.